Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves. Feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Across the UK, online and on DAB, the independent republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. More blasted rhetoric from the Banana Republic for people who think capital punishment isn't going nearly far enough. <laughs> Dangerous mid-morning debate with the great dictator. The independent republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Good morning and welcome to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham as we move seamlessly towards yet another point at which nothing will happen about us leaving the European Union. Yesterday, Theresa May was urging Tory MPs to sign up to a new deal that she has yet to strike with Labour. Today, we're told that those same Tory MPs are going to have another conversation about her leaving the Prime Minister's office, this time uh, with Graham Brady, of course, from the 1922 committee. But no one really believes their hearts are actually in it. We'll be talking to former Cabinet Minister Matthew Paris about what happens now. He's had some very choice things to say about Theresa May. Meanwhile, I will be welcoming the royal baby into the independent republic after I so accurately predicted the birth on the show yesterday. It's uncanny how accurate my prophecy actually was. And I'll be asking you all for ideas for a name. And I might give them a little admonishment uh, for lying to the great British public and indeed the world. It's all very well for Prince Harry to come out and be all chummy and hell fellow well met. But for the palace to issue a statement saying that uh, the Duchess had gone into labour when she had already had the baby to me, is a very, very bad precedent to set altogether, I'd have to say. First up, though, we're going to talk to you about the police once again, because just as I said it would, the policy of driving at moped muggers has ended in tears. A police officer is today facing the sack for knocking a young thug off his moped after he drove into him. Despite carrying out orders handed out by his superiors, PC Edwin Sutton could be found guilty of gross misconduct. At the time this policy was introduced, everyone said it was a great idea, except, of course, for me. And it turns Turns out I was right and you lot were all wrong. 0344 499 1000. Coming up later on, I'll be finding out why things seem to have hotted up in the Middle East, whether social media is actually harmless to teenagers, as a new study is suggesting. And we'll be talking to Grammy Award winning producer Steve Lillywhite about how rock stars are now raking in even more millions by touring all over the world. 0344 499 1000. You're listening to me, Mike Graham, right here on Talk Radio. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. 
Now, you might remember uh, a few months ago, I suppose, in the midst of last year, uh, there were an awful lot of moped muggings going on. People uh, were stealing motorbikes and mopeds mostly, uh, taking them uh, and, and ramming them into people, taking uh, people's bags, robbing people at gunpoint, uh, robbing people at knife point and basically taking off on their mopeds. Now, the police decided this was such an epidemic that they had to do something about it. They were pressurised by the public to do something about it. And ra- rather surprisingly, as far as I was concerned, they came up with this policy whereby um, police cars and police drivers were going to be taught how to knock these people off the mopeds so that they could actually be stopped and arrested. Now, I knew that that was going to end in tears. I knew that that was going to end in either one of these moped muggers being run over and killed under the wheels of a car or possibly banging his head. Uh, There was a rule about not chasing people who weren't wearing crash helmets in case they fell over and hit their heads and died. I knew that this would all come to a sticky end. And sure enough, that is precisely what has happened. We now have a situation where one particular individual police constable, Edwin Sutton, uh, is going to go to a disciplinary hearing today, could lose his job because he could be found guilty of gross misconduct for knocking somebody off his moped while driving a police car, which was, in fact, the order that he was given by his superiors. It seems very unfair on PC Sutton, but it does prove that you cannot just be cavalier about how you run police operations in this country. Let's talk to Di Davis, former head uh, of Royal Protection, uh, former police officer, of course, himself. Di, very good morning to you. Welcome. Yes, good morning to you, sir. Thank you very much indeed for joining us once more. I mean, I have to say, I don't like to be proved right in situations like this, but I'm afraid I was the sort of lone voice at the time saying, this is really a very bad idea. People were up in arms about being mugged by these maniacs on mopeds and and they were very happy to see that the police were willing to do something about it. But I knew that it was going to end in tears and sure enough, so it has. Well, absolutely. and We don't know the circumstances of this particular case. Right. I think I did agree with you and others who commented at the time that I had real concerns about this. And having been a former area car driver as a young constable and chased people, many of them, you were always conscious of the fact that if they little darlings hurt themselves or you caused it, you were in trouble. Yes. And I, I, again, we don't know the full facts of this particular case, whether he went beyond what is regarded as reasonable. But knocking anyone off a bike... Uh, in my humble opinion, can't be that reasonable unless it's it's to save life. And um, again, we don't know the circumstances. But again, as you say, where are the senior officers standing alongside him if indeed uh, he was carrying out a lawful order? Well, quite right. And the problem is, for, uh, for, for, for working police officers, this is the last thing they want to see. They don't want to see their colleagues sort of being prosecuted effectively, albeit in a, in a, in a disciplinary sort of scenario, because they will think, well, it could be me next. And if I do something that I've been told to do by my superior officers, how is it fair if I then get hold before the, the beak for it, as it were? Well, absolutely. And this is why they still have trouble finding officers to volunteer to be firearms officers. Because if you shoot somebody wrongly or by mistake or somebody sitting in a warm office decides years later that you were wrong, um, that's a problem. And it's a problem police men and women have always faced, that they're in the front line and those above them certainly aren't most of the time. Mm. Uh, And I have much sympathy as a former street cop in most of my ranks. So I really do feel, uh, again, without commenting particularly on this case, you know, he, you did warn it, and one or two of us also warned. But, you know, what is wrong in this country is the juvenile structure, how we deal with these thugs. Yeah. There is little or no fear, either of the police or the court system, because lawyers make a fortune defending them. They goes on for months and months. They're on bail, because these days there's a presumption to bail. 
And if you're under 18, there is little chance that you will go inside for any kind of length of time, be mm. it knife, be it stealing, whatever. And that's what the problem is. And politicians can wring their hands and say, well, why should the police take the risks? In my day, we did. And sometimes we broke the law to defend people. Policemen, men and women today, won't do that. And right. that's the difference. Well, it's interesting, isn't it? I, mean, I think it was only yesterday, I think, Di, that there was a story uh, coming out of Essex where police had gone in to arrest somebody um, who was supposedly joyriding around on a stolen moped. Um, and while they were in the course of doing the arrest... Uh, or carrying out the arrest, they had petrol thrown on them, uh, they had knives pulled on them. You know, all of these people who were doing this were kids, by the way. Um, and as you say, they, they, they seem to feel as if they are more or less kind of unapproachable by the police. Well, this is the this is problem, and the poor old police... I, I think the statistics on attacks on police, uh, hospital people, is so alarming these days, and yet... What are we fanning around about? A bloody Brexit all day long. Why don't we get a grip <laughs> yes. of what's happening in this country, these useless politicians of all parties? And, and I just, I despair, frankly, and I've been in this business 50 years. Yeah. And I just wish somebody would get a grip. But how do we find a way out of this, die? Because you're absolutely right. What you just said, I think, will resonate with everybody who listens to this show who will say, thank God somebody uh, in authority is actually saying what I believe. But here's the problem, right? Because I knew that this was uh, this moped policy was going to uh, come back and bite them on the backside, I knew that because police officers now are limited in what they can do. Um, you know, I'm quite surprised in a way that nobody's been hurt more than, than they have been. I'm quite surprised that somebody hasn't launched a lawsuit at them because that's the world in which we now live. So how do we, how do we navigate a path between you know, um, not doing something which is likely to cause injury and or uh, cause people to sue the police and how do we get them to be firmer and in some ways more scary, I suppose, is the question. Well, I think we, all, we have to look at those who set the sentencing. I think there needs to be a royal commission into how we're tackling crime in this country because clearly in many areas we are failing. And I would want every uh, chief constable and these useless commissioners that we have who do absolutely nothing to further the fight against crime, mm. in my opinion, we need to hold them far more to accountable. The problem is the Tories brought this, these commissioners in who allegedly represent us. Well, they clearly don't represent the vast majority of us, and they're certainly not holding many chief constables who continue to caution people for carrying knives, for stealing, you name it. But equally so, we have to look at those who are responsible for sentencing, and we need to change the law. We need to bring back uh, detention centres. We need to bring back borstals. We need to give some discipline and structure to the, some of these feral young in our society, because clearly if they've got fathers, they're not doing it, and if they've got mothers, some of them, they're not doing it either. And it's everybody else's fault apart from the youngsters themselves. Well, well I think I'm so sorry but we need to get tougher in every aspect of life today against these feral kids who are causing mayhem. Right. And, I mean, we were hearing only yesterday uh, that some people want to increase the age of criminal responsibility. Not that I think that's an issue here, not that I think that would make a a blind bit of difference anyway, but there is a a, a very genuine fear in many communities that there are these feral kids and they are roaming about and nobody can do do anything to stop them. And it's only a matter of time, I think, before there is some kind of maybe community backlash against them. Well, as I say, I've, I've been hearing this for many years now, Graham, for... You know, at the end of the day, it's the same story. It's been going round and round for all these 50 years that I've been involved in policing and related activity. 
we just, I just, I, I say again, I think it's worse now than ever before. The respect for the police in many areas is non-existent. And, and I, I think the police sometimes are not very well led these days. No, I think you're absolutely right. So what's the answer, though, Di? I mean, this is what we try to do here. I know there's not always a straightforward answer, but what would you do uh, if you were in charge of, say, even just one constabulary? Well, I, I, what I, when I was working with the FBI in L.A., Los Angeles, yeah. everybody sat down. Judges were not remote. My friend was a judge. He would meet with police chiefs, with social workers and anybody else who contributed, and they would decide a joint strategy to deal with whatever was the cause of things. I'm not saying they were perfect, but at least those in authority sat together, mm. and there wasn't this huge gap between those who set the law and those who carry it out. Yes. Now, that's one idea that I would put forward. But I'd also, when it comes to elections, and God knows we have too many of those too, but I would want to hold every single MP... And I'd want to see what his or her strategy was for dealing with crime, because they can all talk a good job. Very few of them actually do a good job. Mm. And I think that's the key areas. We worry about the National Health Service, and don't get me going on that one. <laughs> but um, seriously, we really, really have got to get a grip of this, and politicians need to be held to account. And if you're a screaming lefty liberal, as far as I'm concerned, I wouldn't vote for you for the reason that you're talking often through your backside. And, and you're that's al the problem. And you're also undermining the rule of law quite often if you are coming from that well, particular yeah, perspective. There's a certain shadow home secretary who has a a track record of doing that. Yeah, well, I mean, let's face it, looking at what happened when Extinction Rebellion came to London and decided to bring the city to a standstill, you know, hardly anything happened to any of them and hardly any of the police seemed capable of moving them along and saying, thanks very much indeed uh, for your demonstration. Uh, you've now been sitting on Waterloo Bridge for five hours. Uh, it's time to vacate it. Nobody uh, did well, that. In my day, it was, uh, the strategy for dealing with public order was capture the high ground first. In other words, you get there. And you capture it. So yeah. your strategic arterial routes, you are there to ensure, as far as you can, and again, if it's overwhelming odds, you, you, you can't always do it. But, you know, if you fail to prepare, you prepare to fail. Yes. And often that's the case these days, because half these people in charge haven't been there in the big riots that we grew up mm. with and, and the IRA attacking us. And a lot of these people have forgotten the chaos that was caused in the 70s and 80s yeah. and even early 90s by the provisional IRA mm. and the, uh, the, the Socialist Workers' Party and others who deliberately would go out, to, one, to hurt policemen, but also to case uh, riots and mayhem. Yeah. And again, in my time, we've had politicians who have supported that. So God help us, is all I say. Yeah. Would it make any difference if we armed the police or we made them able to use things like tasers more readily? No, listen, I walked around with a whistle and a truncheon when I first in. I didn't feel the need for either of those things. Yeah. Yes, occasionally, of course, you have to have firearms in these days, but no, uh, most policemen still don't want to carry firearms full-time. The, the clue is, is one, support them, two, ensure that you have sufficient numbers day and night to respond quickly and succinctly. Armed police around the world doesn't stop terrorism, as we've seen no. all over the world. Uh, the ability to, to lock them up. Look, we've just left that lunatic out, yes. haven't we? Well, yeah. <laughs> I just, you just can't make it up, can you? I know, it really is absolutely extraordinary. But I do like your idea, Di, about people talking to one another because there's a kind of mistrust and a distrust between um, the judiciary and the police force. I mean, I don't ever really, whenever I've covered cases in court, in criminal court, you don't get the sense that judges are in any way keen on police officers at all.
Well, judging it's the solicitors, do you know one profession there's more of in prison than any other is solicitors? <laughs> um, so, and they come from that class and they look yeah. after each other, don't they? Well, they do. Listen, Di, it's an absolute delight to speak to you. Thank you so much for coming on because you are a breath of fresh air and very welcome always in the Independent Republic of Mike Graham where we don't need police because we ridicule anyone who makes a fool of themselves uh, and they don't come back. Di, thank you very much indeed. Di Davis, former head of Royal Protection, absolutely amazing man. Uh, what a bloke to have as your ally on the front line of dealing with criminals. That's the kind of person you want running the police service in this country, rather than the people we have got. As Di quite rightly says, there's no proper coordination between the people who make the laws and the people who have to carry the law out. And that, I think, would be a step forward, a massive step forward uh, in this battle to try and get control back of our streets. Because clearly the police's idea that you can run over and run into moped muggers, knocking them off the bike and then arresting them has backfired massively, as I said it would. uh, And you said it wouldn't. All of you out there were saying, oh, yeah, this is a great idea. Finally, you know, taking back control. Well, they didn't take back control because now it looks as though one individual police officer might lose his job over it. And he doesn't deserve that, does he? 0344 499 1000 is the number. You can tweet us, of course, at Talk Radio. You can text us as well at 87222. That will cost you 25p plus your standard network rate. And we will take some calls coming up next right here on Talk Radio. Dangerous mid-morning debate with the great dictator. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. wish to be terribly controversial here but the front pages of all the newspapers this morning have got various statements about the birth of the royal baby we're still waiting to find out what the name of the royal baby is we are told uh, that the royal couple would like to see instagram going completely and utterly bananas uh, when they publish the first picture of this baby they would like it to be the most liked picture ever on instagram which seems a pretty unusual ambition for somebody uh, who is uh, in line for the throne of this country at daybreak at 5 26 am exactly megan has a seven pound three ounce baby boy in hospital now that's what it says on the front page of the sun why then did they come out in the afternoon yesterday and say that the duchess of sussex has gone into labor which was clearly a lie was clearly untrue and was clearly misleading and designed uh, to undermine anybody's faith in the pr machine of the royal family I find that very hard to take in. I don't understand why you would do it. Why didn't they just come out in the afternoon and say, the Duchess has had a baby boy, he was born at 5.30 this morning, and everybody's very well and everybody's very happy. Nobody would have minded that. But why and whose decision was it to decide to say that she was going into labour, which was in fact untrue? Answers on a postcard, please, or you can call me, 0344 Let's talk to Dion, who's in Langley. Hi, Dion. Yeah, morning, Mike. How you doing, mate? That was probably because they were waiting for the American media to get up. Were, well, maybe, yeah. but why say something which isn't true? I mean, why couldn't they have just come out at whatever time it was, 2 o'clock-ish, 2, 2.30, and say, you know, Megan's had a very beautiful baby boy, born at 5.30 this morning. I know, but... Nobody would have said anything. Why, why say that she's gone into labour when she hadn't? I don't know. I'm not really bothered anyway. No, I'm not. Like, but I, but it's, it's, it's just one niggly thing. I mean, I'm not going to talk about it a lot this morning because, you know, Good. we did that's, loads that's of it. Why I you on. Uh, we, yeah, well, exactly. We did loads of it yesterday. And, I'm, you know, I'm very happy for them. Great, great yeah. news and all that. But I'm not going to go on and on about it. But I'm just, I'm just puzzled as to the thought process of someone who sits there as a PR advisor and says, I know, let's just tell them a lie. 
Yeah, it seems weird. Just, just, oh, it doesn't work for me. Anyway, let's talk about something more important, like the police. Yeah, it's. I don't blame the actual frontline policemen. It's their bosses. Oh, like yeah. The bloke you had on. He's brilliant, isn't he, Di? He should be running the country. Yeah, he was. Yeah, he should be. Yeah, he should be <laughs> prime minister. Yeah, absolutely. But I was telling you, producer, I do carry a pepper spray and a stun gun. Do you? Yeah. Is that I legal? Yeah, I'm 60 years old. Right. It's not as if I'm going to go around attacking people with it. Right. But, you know, it's, you need that these days. Have you, you know, ever used I've, it? I've talked to... No, I haven't. I only tried it out myself when I first bought it. OK. Not the pepper spray. I did the stun gun. Right. Well, you gave it. yourself a bit of a taser, did you? Yeah, I just wanted to see because I got it from China and that. Oh, yeah. How, how did it feel? It was a lot more powerful than I thought it would be. <laughs> Being, Sorry for laughing, but I've just got this vision yeah, no, in my head of you right, tasering man. yourself into the corner. Yeah, I mean, it, like I say, it, it probably done my heart good being my age. Yeah, maybe, yeah. Yeah, but, but you know, it, it's... You know, the police say, well, if you're in trouble, give us a call. I mean, what am I supposed to do to say to someone who's attacking me on the street? said, can you just wait a minute while I phone the police? Right. And they come round in about two hours... It's, you've got to act on the spot. Well, you have, but if you used either of those things, Dion, I think you would find that you would probably be charged because it's illegal to yeah, I use would them. Be. I would be, and I'd, I'd probably get done more than what the mugger did or the robber. Yeah. Or in fact, you'd probably be done just for carrying them. Yeah, I would be. It is actually classed as a firearm. Right. So you're willing to take that risk, though? Definitely, and some of my friends, you know. Right, right. OK. You know, we're not silly old gits at 60. No. You know, we're all pretty fit. Sixty's the new fifty. Yeah, it is. Yeah, but you know, we people will take advantage of people my age. Yeah, no, of course they will. Well, there's some horrible people out there, and there's no doubt that they have no compunction whatsoever about knocking you over the head uh, and stealing whatever it is you've got. It's a shocking state of affairs, but be very careful, Dion, though, because you know I don't want you to end up getting yourself in trouble. Let's talk to Chris, who's in uh, Chichester. Hello, Chris. Yeah, how you doing, Mike? Yeah, very um, well. What do you want to say? A, n- a number of issues here. I mean, I, I, I was a Met officer for 32 years. Yeah. And, and, you know, things have changed so much. But there's a number of points that are quite important. Today's recruits are selected not because they can do the job, which mm. is nonsense. It's whether or not they're actually, they make up the diversity set. Yeah. yeah? We've got more females. And there's been, there's been Facebook, uh, you know, uh, footage of, uh, of women getting kicked around. Mm. And 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 if if you're if you're one of the minorities, you're in. It doesn't matter what you're like, where you're five foot tall. Or like, that, that that's the most important criteria, uh, and, and that's appalling because it just doesn't work. The other point is in the past, my generation, and 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 the people of, of you know of my age had a, had a father or grandfather who had military background. Yeah. And, and this this that sort of discipline, that, that kind of sense of honour was something that actually was in, it was instilled in us from day one. We actually, you know, we, we, had, we had that type of exposure to somebody with that kind of background. It's yeah. important. It doesn't happen now. Doesn't well, also, happen. you had a sort of an air of authority, which I think is missing now. When I see police officers walking down the street, they don't look to me like they've got an air of authority. You know, it sounds kind of silly, but do you know what I'm, do you know what I'm saying? Exactly. I was in Yorkshire the other day, and yeah. we, we were just up there, and I, I went into a petrol station, and three of them wandered in, and they all looked like unmade bits. Yeah. 
I almost went up to him and said, what do you think you look like? Yeah, I know. They, they had no hats on, no ties. They, they were terrible. Right. And just, just one other thing, and, and leadership now is non-existent. Mm. There is no leadership. I mean, I was speaking to a sergeant the other day, uh, close to where I live, and, and, and really, he didn't have a clue. He didn't have a clue. And, and, and it's all about words like proportionality oh, and all yeah. this nonsense. You can't, you know, you just do. You know, you lead. You get out there and say, right, guys, follow me up here. Yeah. And very often, yeah, it isn't quite within the book what you're doing. We just go and do it. And that's what happened. And and we've lost all that. I and mean, we're never going to get it back. It won't return. It's a, sh- it's a shocking admission. But you're absolutely right, Chris. Thank you very much for the call. Chris in Chichester there says, we are never going to get it back. And it's, he's right. When you see police officers wandering about, you know, going into a petrol station to get a sandwich or, you know, hanging about in a coffee shop or just walking down the street, they don't look like they are proud to wear a uniform. They don't look like they have any air of authority about them. They certainly don't look as if they could tackle some really rather nasty criminals, do they? 
Yeah, well, I, I think following uh, your lead at the top of the show that we're, we're um, about to experience something not happening with uh, Theresa May. That's quite <laughs> imminent. <laughs> yes, well, this is the thing. I mean, everything that we think is going to result in something turns out to be nothing at all. Yeah, um, well, she's she's going to be meeting, um, it's said to be routine, but I don't think the meeting itself will feel very routine. Mm. Uh, she, she's, uh, she, she's meeting the chairman of the... 1922 committee who's going to tell her again um that that they that that, that um, both the party and the country and the parliamentary party want her to go mm. and um, and she's going to repeat to him that she will go but she wants to get her deal through first and he will make some vague threats about a poll that might be taken or not exactly a poll but a sort of petition yes. of members of the uh, members of ordinary members of the party pe- people like me that belong to their local associations um calling on her to go i don't think that that threat carries much credibility i wouldn't really recommend them to do it and i don't think they will do it but the problem is conservative central office runs the conservative mm. party it's not run by conservative mp's conservative central office is not CCHQ, as we call it, is not going to organise such a poll. And Conservative members, who are pretty obedient and often rather sheep-like lot, are not going to take part in it. So you'll just get a small protest vote by by, uh, people that really don't like her, but it won't be many people. So it's an empty threat uh, that that will be presented to her. And it's a very different state of affairs now, it would seem, because you're quite right uh, when you say that, you know, the Tory party isn't really run by the parliamentary party or by Tory MPs in in the House of Commons. However, Theresa May seems to have become a bit of a law unto herself. You know, she survives almost everything that gets thrown at her. She survives things that would have finished off most prime ministers and most leaders of any party. Um, And it seems to me that if she can't get her deal through, she'll just sit there forever. She's a very interesting phenomenon as a human personality. Yeah. She just ignores all the rules. Mm. There are so many unspoken rules in all kinds of human communications, including um, government. And, and one is that when all your colleagues uh, say they've lost confidence yeah. in you and everybody wants you to go, uh, you quietly slip away. Mm. And she just won't quietly slip away. It, 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 when you talk to her, it's the same. You, you say things to her and you just get a sort of blank stare. Yeah back again and and actually no one knows how to deal with such a person because they don't don't crop up very much in public life it's very similar for me to my days back in newspapers when i when i used to work in fleet street where you'd find a sort of recalcitrant sub-editor um who would never do what you wanted him to do and when you got to the point where you said look i've asked you not to use that word i please would rather use this word and he just keeps using it and in the end you kind of despair you give up and then you try and fire them and you can't do that either because they surround themselves with the union blanket or something. And, you know, I mean, I've had situations where, where I ended up getting fired before the sub-editor did, um, and, you know, and, and he carried on and lived there, stayed there until he died, you know. You're inviting a Times columnist to criticise sub-editors. I'm definitely not going to <laughs> No, do that. I wouldn't ask you to go there. But you know what I mean, I though? I think it's just... Theresa May would be up to the job. No, quite. But, but it is, it's, it's terribly frustrating. The whole country, I think, is so frustrated with the fact that nothing is happening that they will now accept almost anything happening in order for there to be movement. Yes, it's, it's like a sort of uh, movie or soap opera yeah. that's going on, um, which isn't quite real, a bit bit like the royal baby and all that. Yes. You know, it's, it's going on in front of our eyes. There are these characters taking part in it, but we don't actually know them, and mm. it isn't quite part of our lives. And we've come to 
accept the non-disappearance of Theresa May and the non-arrival of Brexit as just a continuing theme which goes round and round in circles like a, a carousel. And, right. and, and, and we watch vaguely bored and vaguely irritated and expecting nothing. Yes, exactly right, because nobody really expects a deal to be struck between her and Jeremy Corbyn's Labour Party over, over Brexit negotiations because, quite frankly, neither one of them really wants to have an agreement because neither one of them wants to be associated with the other. And so that probably won't happen. But then Rory Stewart comes out yesterday and says, well, of course, it's worth breaking up the Tory party in order for this deal to get done. And I noticed back in February you were saying that you are still a member of the Conservative Party for the moment. Does that suggest that there may come a time when you decide to jettison the place? Oh, absolutely, yeah. And I think a lot of uh, Conservative members are in, in that position. We, we hang on because, on the whole, it's best to fight from within. Mm. Uh, I, I hang on not least for the pleasure of voting against Boris Johnson becoming leader of the party, if I'm ever given that right. <laughs> that opportunity. I, I should vote for Rory Stewart, right. I think. But there, there comes a point and that the, the whole thing just becomes, oh, such a such a, a mess and mm. one so loses confidence in the, the central direction of the organisation that one just quietly slips away, I suppose. But I'm not there yet. I'm, I'm looking forward to not voting for Boris. That is the trouble, though, isn't it? Because how much self-harm can Theresa May do to her own party before that finally reaches a sort of pressure point and everyone says enough? Yeah, but I think that, that the... The mistake we make in thinking in, in the terms you've just described, pressure point, everyone's saying enough, is that, that there never is a point of, of, uh, of explosion, of detonation, of, uh, of everybody saying enough. Uh, and a party can just slowly wither away, doing worse and worse in, in every su- subsequent general election and bits of it peeling off. And I would expect that rather than a big explosion. Yeah, I mean, I spoke to Andrew Bridgen on this show yesterday and I said to him, you know, maybe it's time for you to leave the Conservative Party and go and join the Brexit Party, for example, because it would seem that that would be your natural home. And he disagreed with me, saying that he thought the Conservative Party just now doesn't have enough Conservatives in it. Yeah, but he also thinks something else, which is that um, Andrew Bridgen, um, open brackets, Brexit Party candidate, close brackets, might not win the seat mm. that he's he's got, and he would lose his job. That's the, the biggest reason why MPs don't quit parties in in disgust, and it's true of the Labour Party too. Is that they they they, they depend for their their career mm. for their income on on that party's name appearing against their name uh, at a general election, and yes. uh, and, and and until Tories start losing general elections in droves, I I, I don't think. The, the, they'll get there'll be much momentum to people quitting no quite and what do you make of the suggestion that then the first thing that will happen before brexit because i'm not sure it will happen on october the 31st at all um is is that there will have to be some form of general election i mean i know that very few people in parliament want it but will there have to be one well i think it might happen earlier mm. than that um I, I know i've just been saying that the departure of theresa may is not going to happen but there may come a point um and and it, it, it might come quite quite soon when when it's it's plain that she has completely run out of road and she has to have a queen's speech and there isn't anything she can put in the queen's speech and at that point um, it might be I don't think she's going to be kicked out but I think she might just quit mm. um, if she does that there will be a, a leadership election if it is Boris Johnson he will lead the he'll be prime minister for a few weeks at most before he loses a vote of confidence mm. in the house of commons so i would have thought new tory leader followed by 
new general election is is uh, very possible between now and October. Wow. Well, that's interesting. And I mean, do you see a realignment politically? Because you've mentioned the, the, the independent group in the past. I mean, we've got the Brexit party for, for the purposes of a European election anyway. Um, and the Lib Dems, of course, crowing that everybody's voted to, to, to remain by voting for them last Thursday, which I don't agree with, by the way. But I mean, is there a realignment going on, do you think, in the, in the, in the British populace? Or, or will things pretty much stay the same? Well, I don't think the political parties, as as they are constituted, really pr- make a very good fit, a very good map of um, a- opinion in in the country. Mm. I, I don't think there's going to be a, a, a huge defection of Conservatives to change UK or anything like that. I think it might be that if the Brexit party does very well, it might, rather like Vox in, in Spain, it, it might gradually become the party of the mm. right. Yeah. The Conservative Party would then wither away. Half of it would go over to the Brexit side and the other half might go go over to something in the middle. But that, that's speculation, I think, about, about the medium term, not the, not the short yeah. term. Because we've always been taught, have we not, in, in politics, that the centre ground is, is where you win. You don't win by going out to the left or to the right, but you stay, as Tony Blair did, in the centre, and that's how you get results. I would have thought so. Um, and and it, if the Conservative Party doesn't want to be a centre party, or if uh, Brexit Party becomes the, the main party of the right, then we, there will be a big hole in the centre and someone's going to fill it. Mm. Well, it's going to be fascinating. I hope it's going to be fascinating. But, I'm, you know, but I, like you, Matthew, am, am getting more and more fed up with the sort of nothing happening. <laughs> but, but what I don't want to do is fall into the trap of wanting anything to happen in order just to get some relief. Yes, <laughs> yes. A lot of Conservative MPs are starting to say, oh, we just want to leave without a deal. Yeah. Not because they think that's a good idea, but they, they just want the, they just want the pain to, to move stop. on. Yeah, exactly yeah. right. Well, Matthew, I really appreciate your time. Thank you very much indeed. Matthew Paris, former Conservative MP, columnist for The Times, very thoughtful uh, man about uh, everything to do with the Conservative Party because the Conservative Party's future is at stake here. And make no mistake, let's go to Windsor and get cheered up by Alex Dibble, who's there uh, reporting live for us on the birth of another royal baby, a happy event. Alex, a very good morning to you. A very good morning, Michael. And what better to cheer us all up than a lovely sunny day with Union Jacks, a bit of strawberries, a bit of cream, everyone in a good mood, and another royal baby to welcome into the world. Indeed. And what uh, are you seeing as you look around the high street of Windsor, a place I know very well? I presume you can see the castle uh, and its splendour? I can. I can see the castle. I'm right next to it. It is splendorful, if that's a word. It's, it's not, not no. but I'm going to use it. Um, and, uh, in fact, just as I speak to you, I think the changing of the guard is about to happen. Okay. Um, so the band, I can just hear, about to come out of the castle, and crowds have, have gathered in central Windsor to see this. I've heard that they might play Congratulations by Cliff Richard okay. when they come out. So that's what everyone's hoping for. And here they come with all their um, their huge... What are those big, black, tall hats that they, that they the wear? The bearskins. They're, they're wearing them. Yeah, there you go. They've yeah. got their, their brass instruments, the brass band, um, and uh, they're just coming out of the castle. But everyone's in a fantastic mood mm. because people just seem to connect with Harry and Meghan in a way that perhaps they don't with William and Kate. I think that's probably fair. Um, and, uh, and, of course, everyone's thinking about what they're going to call their, their son. Well, what do you reckon? Well, I don't have any idea whatsoever, but I would imagine it will be something um, unusual, something not particularly traditional as a first name, and maybe a traditional sort of second name. 
because they'll have to pay some kind of lip service to the fact that it is a, a child which is going to be seventh in line to the throne. So some have said Philip might have to be in there somewhere, Charles might have to be in there somewhere, but as a first name, um, I think it will be something that we haven't seen before in the royal family. I think that's what everyone's sort of expecting because Harry and Meghan are a little bit different. They've gone out a bit on a limb in the last year or two. They've got their new Instagram account. That's very different for mm. the royal family. They have chose to have this birth at home, which, again, isn't tradition. You know, the Queen did it, but after that, you know, most of the royal family have had their children in hospital, William and Kate as well. But in terms of the name, and this is what always fascinates me, Mike, about, about these royal stories, right? You come to Windsor. And you see ITV, you see the BBC, you see Sky, etc., etc., etc. Talk you radio. See you should have the tent of shame of down course. there. <laughs> but you also see news outlets from all over the world, and you. But the countries that aren't part of the Commonwealth as well. That you yeah. think, why are you here? Mm. So um, I was. I caught up with a woman called Marie Bilon. She is from the French uh, national radio station RTL. Okay. And uh, I said to her, why on earth are you here? And secondly, can you perhaps suggest some French names for the new royal baby that perhaps we haven't considered that you can throw into the mix? I don't think it would be a good idea to call him Nicolas or Francois or Emmanuel. I'm not sure they will go down that road. Any other French name? I mean, Philip, for example. You, you write it differently, but it's as much a French name and a regal name in the UK as it is in France. So that would, uh, that would suit everybody. You know and now that I think about it, Albert. Albert, yes. It would fit. Well, yeah, yes, Albert, of course, Victoria and Albert. Albert of Monaco. Uh, so maybe there's already a Prince Albert, basically. So maybe if we don't know if it's going to be Prince, of course. But yes, Albert is a is a possibility. It's more than a possibility, though, Mike, because the bookies have it odds on three to one on to be the name of the new royal baby. But if they go what, for something American, Albert? and I didn't know this, I didn't know this. Apparently, the most popular boy's name, get this, in America, mm. is Liam. Is it? Well, I've got Alexander at the top of one particular betting list. I've got Spencer, which, of course, would give uh, a clue to, to his mother and his mother's family, Princess Diana's family, the Spencers. Arthur, 7-1. to one. James, 7-1. to one. Uh, Albert, I've got a slightly longer odds than you, 12-1. to one. Oliver, uh, Edward, Henry, Philip and Charles, all in there. Um, no, uh, uh, So, Alex Dibble, uh, presumably that's short for Alexander. You're number one on this list. Well, that that is good news. What I mean, I was hoping. Oh, oh! I mean, I was outside um, St Mary's Hospital in Paddington, the Lindo Wing, when uh -huh. Prince Louis was born. Yep. Of course, a very French name. Um, I was hoping at that point that after choosing George for their first, that William and Kate would go for Alexander. I was left disappointed, along with thousands and thousands of others across the country, and uh, and I'm hoping that this will be uh, this will be it. This will be my moment. Yeah, well, it could well be. Keep your eyes peeled for the royal couple and indeed the baby. Alex Dibble reporting into us from Windsor, uh, where he is currently trying to find out what the name of the new royal baby might be. We might get some news on that later on today. Uh, we may not, of course, because it's all being very tightly controlled now uh, by the liars. In sorry, by the PR department uh, of Buckingham Palace. Uh, almost slipped up there with the wrong information. Sorry about that. The 
This is the Independent Republic of Mike Graham. You know what to do. 0344 499 1000. Most of the common sense on this show comes from the people who call into it, of course, even though sometimes uh, it seems as though some of the common sense comes from me. We also have some great guests. Uh, Dyke Davis was on at the start of the show this morning, who was absolutely brilliant, a former police officer uh, who was telling us all about why the police officers of this country now are in a terrible, terrible state. Let's talk to Ryan, who's in the New Forest. Hi, Ryan. <laughs> good morning. How are you doing? Very, very well. Very good. Yeah, it is afternoon, isn't it? Yeah, sun's over the yard, Arm. Yeah, we just got there. What do you want to tell me? Well, I was just saying, I was, saying, I was speaking to my mum and my sister yesterday, and they're very, um, very, oh, the royal baby. And my sister's very, all oh, got my Instagram account. She loves a good selfie. She loves a good snap. So, right. God, wouldn't it be hilarious? As a um, father myself, I wish every baby the utmost health, mind, body, soul, the lot. Yes. But wouldn't it be hilarious if it was the most unphotogenic baby ever? <laughs> I mean, God, What do you mean when you, when you say unphotogenic? Do you mean ugly? Well, I mean, like, imagine if Prince Charles was around in the selfie generation. Oh, yeah. my God, the memes would be amazing. Well, he was, so, quite, a, he was quite a nice-looking young man, wasn't he, in the old pictures that you see? If you, if from certain sides, I expect, or with certain lenses, but, I mean... We all know the jokes about the years. I mean, if they had to take a panoramic selfie of the baby, it'd be hilarious, wouldn't it? I mean, well, yeah, you know, that wouldn't just... be... That, I don't know if many people would share that, but stay stay there for a second, Ryan, because I've got somebody else who wants to talk about the royal baby. Susan's in Exeter. Hello, Susan. Oh, good afternoon, Mike. Good afternoon, Ryan. Good afternoon. Um, thanks for wishing me well last week, by the way. I'm wearing my seatbelt more from what you said. Oh, thank you. That's so nice. Put, try and put... Trying to sort of put a little cushion behind you. There's got to be a way. You've got to do this. I'm, I'm cared. I'm, I'm worried about. No, never mind about anyway. that. What do you, you want to yeah, talk about the royal baby? baby. <laughs> I think. I think that this baby is going to be stunning because his mother is stunning. Yes. And Harry's got a lovely face. And I'm hoping. I'm and not keen on the beard, this, to be honest. Oh, we can forget that. And I'm hoping and praying that this baby is going to have beautiful black hair, lustrous black hair like Megan, his mother. Might be ginger, though. No, no, because she'll get the dominant... It'll be the dominant gene, won't it? Well, I don't know. And I'm hoping that the baby will have honey... Because I happen to think mixed-race babies are beautiful. They are. Mixed-race people are gorgeous. Yes. And uh, if in my life, the, the only man I would have married was was uh, darker skinned. He was wasn't he? black. He was, and I and I often think, you know, if we'd have had babies, they would have been honey coloured, and they would have had lustrous black hair. I think they really? are beautiful. And, I, and Megan has beautiful dark eyes. So you think that Ryan's right. wrong then, eh? You think mm? Ryan's wrong to think well, it would I think be funny. Ryan, you know, you, you've got to think. You've got two beautiful people. Harry's beautiful. Megan is extremely beautiful. Come on, Ryan. What do you? What Come do you on, Ryan. Well, your boldness skips a generation. What if the, some of the features, Debbie Phillips, no. not exactly a, a good look herself? No. I really hope that they do. You are right that you say, but you, you should, should have some beautiful children. Well, Princess Diana, oh, don't you. forget, Princess Diana was a very good looking woman, wasn't she, Susan? Princess who? Princess Diana, you know, the prince of the princess oh, God, yeah. of Wales. She was. She you was haven't forgotten her already, have you? No, I couldn't hear. The line's not very good. And don't forget, and I agree, Charles, when, as a young man, if you look back, he was a real stunner. Well, he do you remember those juicy. pictures when he used to be he sort of in the, in the surf with those down in Australia? And all that? Oh, yes. He mm. was, if you, Ryan, you need to go back and look, look a bit. And, and I'll tell you what, Princess Anne was beautiful as well when oh, she I was don't, young. I don't want to go that far. I mean, I think that Ryan... Uh, she was... Ryan's probably too young to remember Charles in the surf. Yeah, Are you, Ryan? You... you uh, he was they were married in eighty two, weren't they? I think I was two years old then. Oh, were you? So Blimey. yeah, so I'm quite old, but not that old. No, so. well, that's not quite old when you come when it comes uh, to me. But um... with with the, with 
the name, I think that they will put Charles in the middle of it somewhere, you know, or the fourth name down. Yeah. Because, <laughs> I mean, you know, Charles has got to... I mean, do, you want to have a pop right. at, do you want to have a go at what name you think they, they should give? I have no idea, but I think it will be... What's What's Megan's father's name? I can't remember. Uh, it's Thomas, I think, isn't it? Well, there might be a Thomas. They're not going to call him after him. They haven't even told him they've well, got the baby, have they? It's, it's her father. She might sh- she might want to incorporate Charles, Thomas, and then the She didn't even invite name, him to her wedding, Susan. Why would it she doesn't co- matter. To, if things happen, you only get one father in there, and that's it. Yeah, well, you, you, you know, yeah but I, really, I don't see her calling him after after her father. What do you, what do you, what no, do you reckon, Ryan? Well, you see, it could be Charles Thomas, as long as it's not John Thomas. I think it'd be okay. That'll be fine. Thank you very much for that, yeah. Ryan. Um, I think that's enough royal baby talk. Uh, lovely to talk to both of you, Susan and Ryan. Thank you very much indeed. Across the UK, online and on DAB, the Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. If you enjoyed that, be sure to catch the whole show 10 to 1 Monday to Friday on Talk Radio via DAB online or via the Talk Radio app. If you have an opinion on the stories we cover, we'd love to hear from you. Call us 0344 499 1000 or tweet at Talk Radio during the show to have your say. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio.